Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 15 of the Top Dog Talk podcast. I am your host, Harrison Reno, and this episode of the Top Dog Talk is presented by Virtues by Paul. Virtues by Paul is an Atlanta-based business which offers a large selection of unique, antique, modernized furniture and jewelry. Thank you, Virtues by Paul, for supporting the Top Dog Talk. A landmark episode of the Top Dog Talk podcast as we have finally hit that episode 15 mark. Uh, sadly, it has been on a week full of news uh, that hasn't been so great. Currently, four SEC games have been postponed due to COVID-19 outbreaks at multiple different programs. Uh, one of four, Those four are Auburn versus Mississippi State, Alabama versus LSU, Tennessee versus Texas A&M, and Georgia versus Missouri. Like I said, not a good weekend for the SEC up ahead. Just a handful of games to be played. Um, and it looks like these four games that have already been postponed will be played on championship weekend. Yes, Georgia will not miss championship weekend, it looks like, uh, this year as they will be, I think it is scheduled for the 19th, although that is not official yet. So we'll see how that uh, plays out. You know, this is a bye week for Georgia. Um, I think it, it, it's at the right time. Georgia's going through a lot of injuries. We had some key players down like George Pickens, Kent, Kenny McIntosh, Milton, LeCount. Jordan Davis, just to name a few, have all been out with injuries or are going down with injuries. So let's we'll see how they do. And also, we have to come and find a starting quarterback. The third starting quarterback this year, Georgia, will be crowned sa- uh, well next Saturday, um, depending on who it is. You know, we can see Carson Beck, we can see J- JT Daniels, or we can see a guy like Dewan Mathis again. It's going to be very interesting to see how these guys play. Joining me today to talk about not only the state of the program, but we have some hot takes and predictions coming up later on in the show. We have Brent Wilson over at Dogs Daily on Sports Illustrated and Josh Carr, a Top Dog Blogs writing contributor. Guys, thank you for joining me today on the Top Dog Talk podcast. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure. So, guys, I just want to get – let's get right into it. Um, You know – I usually do this at the end of the year, but I thought, you know, we got a little bye week. We got a second bye week. We've been blessed, um, as you could say, with a bye week again um, after a few after a rough stretch of games. What is the state of Georgia program? I said last January, this past January, that we were contenders, that we looked like we were going to be in the playoffs and contending for a national championship. Now it looks like Georgia's destiny is out of their own hands, and it is up to the likes of Florida to determine whether or not Georgia will see um, the light of day in Atlanta uh, this coming December. What do y'all think about this Georgia program right now? We're going to open up with Josh. Josh, you know, is Georgia a contender or are they a pretender? Well, so far, I guess you could say we're a, a pretender. Uh, obviously, quarterback play has been horrible, and, you know, we've gone down that rabbit, <clears throat> excuse me, rabbit hole enough. Um, but, man, this is really second year in a row that, that I think the injuries have been just as big of a deal as, as our quarterback play has. Uh, and I don't know that there's you know necessarily anything that we can do about it. And I'm not, uh, I'm not at the point yet where I'm questioning our strength and conditioning program, but I hope that our luck turns around next year because it's, it's, it's debilitating. I, I do honestly think that with, if we're fully healthy, we probably would have won the Florida game and it probably would have been tight, but I think that we could have won it. 
Uh, and I also think that we even handicapped with less than stellar quarterback play. Uh, I think that our offensive scheme has been good enough at times that we could have potentially hung with Alabama. We just need a, a few of those lucky bounces that Alabama always seems to get to go our way instead of their way. Uh, and that's counting referees. We, we would definitely need them to not be on Alabama's team and on our side. How about you, Brent? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in the same boat. Uh, so I think you could say Georgia's uh, at, at a point where it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a reality check. I think, you know, Georgia went, goes and competes for national championship 2017 and has had pretty similar seasons 2018, 2019, and now 2020. So I think Georgia's at a point where you have to look at, you know, everything, uh, you know, players, uh, personnel, and you got you to gotta look at it and go, all right, we don't have enough to get us to a national championship or, or to a playoff at this point. So now Georgia's got to make the decisions, make some changes to, to get to that next step. Yeah, that's a good point. There's, I think there are several areas that uh, I'm sure that Kirby is working furiously on right now. Obviously, quarterbacks and receivers are probably number one, but uh, I'd be willing to bet that, that we'll see some more zone defense moving forward the way that we've been torched on the, on the back end this year, uh, which is not something that Kirby generally likes to do, but, but there's a, I think there's a real good chance that he's seen how detrimental it's been at times not to have those safeties back and have, um, and I'm not talking about a prevent defense. I'm just talking about a regular zone or maybe some type of zone hybrid um, and not have so much stress on your safeties because uh, we've struggled so bad with uh, what everybody calls eye discipline so far this year and letting people get behind us. So I'd say for sure that's a, a very valid point that we've we've definitely seen some weaknesses, and I have no doubt that that Kirby is is going about fixing those as we speak. I just got to apologize uh, for a quick moment. Um, I thought my mic was unmuted, um, and I was starting to talk, and then I noticed that I was still muted. So sorry for that quick pause and silence. Um, I didn't notice that. Um, so I'll make sure that I unmute myself. Uh, fairly quickly but yeah I mean just to bounce off your points there real quick I mean I think Georgia definitely just has to hit the reset button on offense you know and on defense you got to find something um, to get past the amount of injuries we have I think zone defense could be something that we see these next few weeks because if you look at it these offenses that we're going to be playing um, to finish out the year are not going to be anything special in my opinion they aren't going to be able to uh, torch us like Florida did or Alabama did um, you know I, I just think that's a problem um, I think zone defense kind of got us killed against Florida, but I don't think it will get us killed against any of these other teams remaining on our schedule. What do y'all think of the – well, we obviously talked about the quarterback play, but, you know, who? what do y'all think of the rumors that JT Daniels will be getting the start this week? Brent, I'm going to open it up with you. Looks like Brent stepped away. I'll, I'll take over. Um 
and I'm excited by it. You know, everything that I've heard uh, so far is that he's done well. Limited mobility, obvious, but he was – nobody's ever said that he was a dual threat or, or you know, a speedster like Dwan. Uh, so I, I don't think that that's something that we're we expected to see from him in the first place. Uh, but in going back over the film for him uh, when he was out on the West Coast and he throws a good ball, uh, very adept at the short passes, which I think will fit in well for the for the Munkin system. Uh, from what I can tell uh, from the, the Munkin offenses that I've watched, you read backwards, so you read deep to short. Uh, and his, his deep balls are kind of questionable at times. Uh, he throws a good ball, uh, but I think his decision-making is probably a better way of saying that. Maybe throwing when the receiver doesn't have leverage um, or is not positioned well to make a play on the ball. And uh, But, man, on the flip side of that, he threw the short and intermediate passes really, really well. And if, if anybody has watched any of our games this year, you know immediately that, and we have people running open through the middle of the field, down the sidelines, everywhere under 20 yards. So there should be a, a plethora of targets for JT to hit if he gets in there. And I think that he can actually deliver an accurate ball uh, versus – versus what we have been seeing. So the the thought of JT getting the start really excites me. Brent, what about you? Yeah, I was just going to piggyback right right off that. Uh, I saw a tweet right before we just started recording from Brooks. You know, he was doing some film breakdown on him, and he said, you know, looking at JT throwing uh, 20 yards or under, He's an animal and anything past 20 yards, you know, it's a little bit questionable, but you know, Georgia's got some playmakers, you know, um, that, that can, that can help them out on those long balls. But, uh, you know, anything, anything short though, I think, and I think that's really all Georgia needs to do to be successful in offense, you know, the running games, you know, they're, they're going to do their thing. So if you, all Georgia needs is an, an, an accurate short, uh, short game passer, and I think JT can be that guy. There's no reason he can't be. Yeah, what I really like about JT's game is, like y'all said, the short intermediate passing um, that he brings. I think he brings a super hot um, and quick release that uh, will serve him well in the pocket. You know, I think he also has the height um, that we need because I think, you know, Georgia fans are kind of getting tired of the bat of balls. So, uh, hope we don't see those for a little while. But, yeah, I really like what JT's game. Um, you know, I'm looking at the receiving core right now. I'm looking at a few of their stats. Uh, one of the things that pops off the screen to me is the fact that Kyrus Jackson is our leading receiver. He has 27 receptions for 396 yards and two touchdowns. The fact that we're getting a guy at quarterback that is really good in those short to intermediate passes, the quick game, excites me to see how this offensive explosion that we're going to see out of guys like Jack, uh, Kyrus Jackson and potentially George Pickens. You know, JT played with the guy. Michael Pittman at uh, USC, who is now in the NFL playing with the Colts. Uh, you know, he, he was a really talented receiver coming out of college. He was a second-round pick in the NFL draft. That speaks for itself. So seeing him work with a guy like George Pickens is going to be very, very exciting. I, I, I think I like this Georgia receiving core. It's just all about putting the right guy at quarterback and making sure that you're 
putting these guys in the best position to go out and make plays, um, you know, for four quarters. So, you know, with JT, let's say JT's the starter. What does Georgia need to do to get a guy like George Pickens involved in this offense again? He only has 13 receptions for 140 yards. Granted, he has missed two of the last three games. And we only need one thing. One thing. We need a quarterback that can throw to that throw outside the hashes. It is it is so uncomplicated. It, it's ridiculous. And that's that's just something that Stetson either didn't feel comfortable doing or wasn't capable of doing. But either way, it just didn't happen. Oh, I, I think that if we see another quarterback there, uh, no matter who it is, George will do more. You know, he'll have more targets and and hopefully the ball will be delivered a little bit better uh, by somebody other than, than Stetson. But uh, I, I just have to bring one thing up about Kyrus. Um, you know what? I'm going to save my Kyrus point for, for when I make my hot take, and I, I'll circle back around to that. I'll hand it back over to you, Brent. Yeah, I just – I think, you know, I think you, you really hit the, the hammer on the nail there. But I think another good thing it, or that could come of, of JT starting is it gives a little bit of uh, – momentum to Georgia's offense heading in to next season if Georgia, you know, if nothing comes of this season. And I, th- I think it takes a lot of pressure off a guy like Carson Beck or uh, Brock Vandergriff coming in in 2021 in terms of putting too much on their shoulders. So if you have a guy like JT, you know, he, you know he's a, a solidified starter heading into 2021 if he has a few good games here at the end of 2020. Takes a lot of pressure off of them and allows those guys to develop a little bit more before they see the field. And, you know, I just wanted to bring this in real quick. Uh, I might filter this in throughout the show. So let's let's treat these as uh, you're playing. Um, you're at an auction or you can say you're at the stock market, right? You're trying to trade some stock. Let's look at these receiving – let's look at this receiving core for Georgia. Who would you buy some more stock in if you had a choice out of all the receivers – Brent, I'm going to let you open with this question first, and then we'll go to Josh. Obviously, I'd be buying a guy like George Pickens right now with, you know, with him not having the, the season we all thought he would have had coming into the season. But I think he'll start to, you know, we'll start to use him a little bit more, get his production up. Another guy, though, I think that could be a, a sleeper here at the end of the season would be a guy like Arian Smith, who's, uh, who's now, he's now cleared. So hopefully we'll get to see him. Uh, more often, and with the, you know, injuries at the receiver position, there's a good chance Georgia may try him out and see what he's got. And I got two big words for you. Darnell Washington. Ooh, that was a good one right there. Man, my man. He is a monster. And every bit of the, the matchup nightmare that Kyle Pitts is, Darnell Washington will also be, but for a different reason. You know, he obviously doesn't have Pitts' speed, but he's bigger. And he has that big body uh, to get in between the defender and the ball. And, man, he's so far, he's got great hands. Uh, he runs good routes, not perfect. You know, I've, um, but the best thing about him is you can go every down with him. He can run block. You know, he's big enough to be effective. 
Um, I don't think he's going to be a world beater necessarily. He's, he's a little bit tall and a little bit lanky for that, even though he's monstrously huge. Um, but man, he's, he's my guy and my number, you know, I'm, I'm a financial advisor by trade, so I have to diversify. I can't just pick one, but my second would be James Cook. And I, I know he's not a, not a receiver, but he's, uh, he's playing like so, one. so well out of the backfield catching the ball. And I think he's, he's that much of a threat that defenses have to scheme for him when he's on the field. So, um, and the most, the thing that I'm most excited about being an old guy and growing up with the ground and pound, you know, when I played football, it was, we threw the ball 30% of the time, you know, if that, Oh, I like to see the running game and that's what I'm most excited about seeing an improvement in our passing game so that we can get back to being explosive on the ground. You know, the, the Chubb and Sony years were, those were my favorites. I love seeing those guys rip off 40 and 50 yard runs. So th- that's, that's my two receivers though. Now y'all both start, uh, sparked my interest. And now, um, y'all both have me going down a lot of different roads because, I mean, y'all brought up a lot of different players here, and I think they're all <laughs> really good purchases in the stock market if you had a choice. Brent, I'm going to open up with you real quick. You know, what do you see in Arian Smith's game, and where does he fit in this Georgia offense? Is he more of a – is he a guy kind of like uh, – gosh, I don't even know who you can compare him to. I mean, is he a guy you can send deep down the field and go be a deep threat, or is he more of a guy that you can throw a five, you know, a screen to and he can take it you know, for a big play, I, I really like his speed, his athleticism. You know, where does he fit in his offense? I think you can use him uh, either way, really. You know, the past past few years, Georgia fans have, have had to watch Alabama tear it up. Guys like Jerry Judy and this year, um, you know, they, they just had the, the quick guys year in, year out. So now, so now for Georgia to have a guy with that type of ability is exciting you know, to put him in, put him to use. And Josh, I mean, you, you brought up Darnell Washington. You talk about Kyle Pitts with Darnell. What does Georgia need to do to kind of get more production out of Darnell Washington? I mean, he only has three receptions for, or two receptions, excuse me, for 259 yards. You know, what does Georgia need to do? I mean, can we see him go line up out wide and go one-on-one with some of these DBs? I mean, I'd love to see it. The kid's athletic. He can go get you a football, and he can also block. So what does Georgia need to do to turn him into this monster that we know he is? I think Josh is struggling with the mute button again. Sorry about that. You're all good. Uh, It uh, it happens. (laughs) Think about what we just faced in Florida. When you put a defense in conflict and – you know, where do I pay my special attention to the outside receivers, which are dangerous, uh, the running back out of the backfield, uh, quarterback that has at least some mobility. That's when, when tight ends become really, really special. You know, we saw with Isaac Nauta that he was, he was tough to match up with because he was a little bit faster than linebackers. And his size was, it was really prohibitive for a defensive back to be able to cover him. Uh, and Darnell Washington is, is a freak in that, that he's too big for anybody on the field to cover. He's going to be able to keep the speed up with the linebackers. He's not as fast as some of the linebackers, but 
he's still, he's just too big and his body is too big. You know, they can't push him around They're They're not going to get him off of his route. Um, though the, the point that I, that I want to drive home here is the best thing that we can do to get Darnell Washington involved is to develop our outside passing game, be able to stretch the field and create those, those pockets uh, of empty space underneath by pulling the safeties out with the deep routes. And at the same time, we need to be enough of a threat in the run to keep the linebackers focused on the running game. When tight ends are most effective is on play action passes and they just slip behind the linebackers. And at the same time, we've created a seam for them by pulling out the safeties with a deep route on the outside. And that's why, you know, you'll have tight ends sometimes that have an average catch is 22 yards, you know, something just absurd. They might only have 12 or 15 catches for the year, but that's the way to get them the ball is to create that space in the middle of the field. But you have to be a threat in those other other areas to create that space does that answer your question yeah and i think one of the things is you know with florida we talk about kyle pitts and a lot of the credit does go to kyle pitts you also got to give credit to uh to dan mullen i mean he finds ways to expose your defense he finds one little flaw and he'll harp on it all day long he is like a three-year-old that nags you when you don't get them what they want you know they will come up to you and nag you all day that is what dan mullen does he will go attack the same spot same player all game long so you prove you can stop it. And I think Georgia needs to be able to manipulate a defense like that. And I think Todd Munkin can. I just think that maybe we're not ready for that. Maybe he just he's trying to run things that he knows his guys are comfortable with. So we got to do a better job of game planning. I think, uh, you know, Todd Munkin has done great. I, I would give, um, if we had to give him a report card so far, I would give him an A, um, maybe a high B, um, to, you know, just – basing off some of the performances we had in recent weeks. His play calling has been good, but the assignment, the alignment, execution has not been there for Georgia um, in those, these last three games. So we got to get better. You know, I want to move on into the running backs. You know, Kendall Milton's banged up. I believe he has a ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken. Does anyone have a specific injury? I did not put that um, in the notes. Yeah, it's a, it's a sprain. And... From from what I've read and heard, uh, he should be back pretty quick. But he's not. Uh, last I heard, he was not practicing yesterday. That he's he's doing all of his rehab and and nursing it, but wasn't practicing yesterday. Questionable for the game Saturday, you know. And I would think that uh, for the next week, they'll still have him listed as questionable until they're sure that he can go through a full practice. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's obviously a uh, big loss for George. I, I really like Kendall Milton. Um, he, he's done a really good job. He has about 35 carries for 183 yards. I'd like to see him get some more carries. Um, but the guy who's kind of ran away with this job so far as, that in, as the number one in our running back room has been Zamir White. 97 carries for 509 yards. has seven touchdowns. He's averaging five per carry. You know, when I'm looking at a running back and I'm evaluating a running back, um, I don't care for how many yards they have. You know, you can have a 2,000-yard season. And if you're averaging three yards per carry, you know, what, what good does that do? Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at how many yards per carry you get, and 5.2 just tells me that, you know, you're a beast. Um, so, Brent, I'm going to open it with you. 
what does Zamir White need to do to get better um, and continue? Um, I mean, I, I guess it's out of the question. He he won't be able to get a thousand yards this year unless he has a monster season. But what do you see from Zamir White so far, and what does he need to improve on? Well, I think here just in the in the past few weeks, he's showed that he can bounce out and, and you know get around the corner if he needs to. I think the the first few weeks he kind of struggled with that and uh, limited you know how many yards he could get. But I think he's he's starting to show a little bit more athleticism, starting to make uh, more cuts. I think a lot of people were worried about that with his you know returning coming off of two ACL tears. You know you know you don't expect the guy to be just as a just as efficient uh, as he once was. But I think he's starting to show that, you know, he's, he's, he's getting his confidence back up. So I think, you know, he, he can build off of, build off his, his performance this past week and, and try to close out the season strong. And then, you know, go from there, decide, he's got to decide if, you know, go head to the NFL or come back to, to Georgia for another year and, and improve his stock. You know, you bring up a really good point about him being able to bounce outside and the fact that he's doing all of this coming off two ACL injuries. I mean, he he, he looks like a monster, man. I mean, his physique is is top class. Um, I'm sure he came into Georgia with a pretty good weight training program just because he's probably was doing it on his own. But, I mean, he's really bulked up, and he, he's looked fast. I mean, he, he doesn't look like a guy coming off an ACL injury. You know, you brought up the fact that he can bounce it outside, and – I just want to bring this up real quick. I have the question, and Josh, I'm going to direct this one to you. Why in the heck does Georgia try and pound between the tackles all game long when they try when they go outside? You make know, one or two times, and they break for 10, 20 yards. What is this obsession with running it up the tackles? I get you want to dominate your opponent, and you want to show that they are inferior in between the tackles. What is the obsession? Why can't Georgia just run it to the outside? Man, I wish I knew. I don't. I haven't understood that for years. Um, I wish that I had some kind of good reason. And you can say, you know, those those tired old mantras of we want to wear them down or we want to eat the clock. But the truth of the matter is, is what we want to do is score touchdowns. And we don't score touchdowns very often up the middle. You know, when we had Nick Chubb, we scored some touchdowns up the middle. Oh, it was, but, it was, it was all the time. I mean, <laughs> remember that Oklahoma game? Whew. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's what I'm saying is we, you know, we neither have the talent on the offensive line or at running back that we had when we were scoring touchdowns up the middle. So I, man, it, it's a mystery to me why we continue to, to run between the, t- and a lot of those runs are like, I know in my head and my heart that they're designed to be in a gap and potentially mm-hmm. bounced outside if somebody's there. But every defensive end in the world is, is coached to contain inside. So it, it's very rare that they're going to be bounced outside. So Harrison, I don't have a good answer for you there. I, and I don't, you know, in my mind's eye, there's not a good reason for it. To me, it makes a lot more sense to run the ball outside just and use it similarly to how you would use the short passes to loosen up the interior. Cause, and I'm telling you over and over and over again uh, against Alabama and against Florida, we saw they had eight people, not necessarily always in the box, but there were eight people that their first priority was run support. Yeah. 
But yeah, and, and Florida did a really good job of kind of stopping our run. And I think part of it, not only did they try and stop our run, but I think we limited our run by ourselves. We kind of shot ourselves in the foot, um, kind of going away from the run game. Maybe that's just a feeling of not wanting to get down um, by too much. So I want to move on real quick. The, uh, we, we ran this segment a little too long. That's my fault. But we're going to finish this up quickly so we can get the hot takes and predictions. Let's talk about the defense real quick. Um, usually, for a show like this, I would skip over the defense because you would assume that they're uh, playing an elite level and they don't need much touching up on. Brent, we're going to come to you. Who is your – I mean, you can name anyone out of this defense. Who are you buying more stock in? Wow. I mean, there's 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 so many names you could look at. But um, if off the top of my head, I'm, I'm just a big Jordan Davis guy. He's just – he's such a – a force in the middle and, and he is really not replaceable. I think you saw that a little bit with Florida, you know, they, they were able to, to run the ball somewhat, you know, compared to, compared to the rest of this year. But I think Jordan Davis, he's just, he's too big. He's too athletic. He, he eats up so much space in the middle. That, that's who I would be buying the most stock of right now. Josh. And he brought up a really good point. Um, Jordan Davis is really hard to replace. And, you know, that, that, that's a little worrisome for me um, because, you know, if you can't replace uh, one guy in your defense, then that tells me that, you know, either the players that are there just don't fit the uh, don't fit the scheme to replace them or you just aren't recruiting. Uh, I, I don't know what it is, but George has to find a way to replace him because, I mean, most likely he's going to be gone after this year. Um, I mean, he's really talented. So who is your guy that you're going to be buying more stock in, Josh, uh, for the rest of the year? I got another two words for you, Harrison. Nicobe Dean, tw- 29 tackles in the last two games. Whew. I mean, he has been playing at an all-SEC level last two games, running all over the field. Uh, he's definitely improving in his run fits. And, if, if you know, for all the listeners that have never heard anybody say run fit or they've heard it and don't know what it is, it's really just a gap responsibility. So your gaps between center guard, guard tackle you know all those gaps have numbers and the linebacker uh, will have a responsibility for a run fit or a gap there and Nicobe started off the year a little slow getting into his gaps uh, but man he has heated up uh, he's definitely doing better on his his early recognition of direction and what type of play is coming and if you remember uh, there was this guy named Roquan that played at Georgia a few years ago, and he was the best that, that I've ever seen at that, at recognition and getting wherever the ball was as quickly as he could possibly get there. And I think N'Kobe Dean is sharp, starting to show flashes of what we saw from Roquan uh, at, in a similar time frame and similar situation. If, if you remember, Roquan didn't play as a freshman, got on the field as a sophomore and had flashes, but didn't, you know, no, reason to, junior year. no reason to think that he would be a Butkus Award winner the next year. But my God, that junior year was really something special to watch. And I, I honestly, I think that he was the number one reason that we went to the national championship game and not Chubb and Sony. Now, that and, may be an unpopular take, but that's, that's my take is that he was the most important person on our team that year. 
And I mean, you brought up the point right off the top of my mind, man. And that was that was going to be my next point: the Roquan Smith comparisons. When this when Kobe Dean came out of college, they said, you know, this could be our next uh, Roquan Smith. We were very he was very fresh in our mind. Um, you know, coming off that amazing year, uh, he was really a really great leader. Led that defense. Uh, and everyone respected the guy. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see um, how no Kobe Dean finishes off career. And I, I think, Josh, just one more point to add on to this one. Yeah, the only, only thing that I forgot to say there is Nicobe Dean does not have Roquan speed. You know, I don't know that he'll be the next Roquan. But the thing that, that counts more than anything for a linebacker is being in the right place. And Nicobe Dean understands. I mean, we, he has shown now that he understands what's happening both in our defense and on the offensive side of the ball. And, and I honestly believe that for the rest of this season, after the way he's played the last two games and all of next season, he's going to be an unholy terror for every offense that we face. And, and Brent, what do, you, what do you see in Nicobe Dean? And uh, if you had to pick a second guy, who would you pick for buying more stock into? I think obviously, you know, Dean, he's just, he's just a super cerebral player, you know, super quick. He just, he just understands the game. Um, if I had to pick another guy, probably Eric Stokes. I think he's, you know, I think you said earlier or, or said before, he's just, he's kind of going unnoticed and, and how effective he is. But Eric Stokes is, you know, he's a cornerstone piece in that defense. He's, whether it's, you know, Getting pass breakups or, you know, pick six here and there, that, that definitely helps. He's just, he, you know, he's, he's always going to make a play. He's going to have a big play every game. And that just brings some momentum, brings some energy to Georgia's defense. So I think, you know, Stokes is another guy to buy in. And, and the way I look at it, when you're, when you're talking about corners, as long as you don't hear their name called on, um, from the announcers, that means they're probably having a pretty good game. Um, so as long as they're silent, you know, they don't have to make a pick to have a good game. As long as their name's not coming up out of the out of the mouth of the announcer um, after a play, that probably means he's shutting down someone. So uh, Eric Stokes is a really good pick, and another guy that's probably going to end up leaving this year, sadly, for Georgia. Um, you know, there's going to be a max exodus off this defense. Josh, who do you got as your second guy um, off this defense? Lewis Sane. Man, that guy is I, – I remember thinking about – uh, like how hard uh, oh gosh what's his name uh, Rich um, Richard LeCount I remember thinking Richard LeCount's freshman year about how hard he was hitting people and just how fearless he was and then Lewis Seen got here <laughs> and made LeCount look like he wasn't necessarily fearless and hitting people hard you know, the, the amount of wood that he's bringing is, is just incredible. And it, it reminds me of um, in practice when I, was, when I was playing quarterback. I threw a pass to a guy over the middle. He caught it, and our safety, who was just a super nice guy, but he was also, he, much like Lewis Seen, was just fearless, and he hit everybody as hard as he could hit them every time he hit them. And that guy that caught the pass came back to the huddle and he said, man, anytime you throw it to me in front of that guy, just make sure and do it, throw it low so I don't have to be stretched out and he, he's got a free shot at me. And I can't help but think that receivers coming across the middle 
have got to be scared to death that Lewis Seen's going to put their lights out because, man, he hits hard. I love watching him play. Uh, I can't wait for for him to get even more experience and get on that level that LeCount is on now where where he has a, a lot of confidence and reads the plays a little better. You know, that's his only fault so far is he's been just a hair slow to react. Um, but I'm looking forward to watching him get some interceptions and continue to, to just beat people up back there. And we got a little bit of breaking news that just popped up. Um, the Ohio State-Maryland game has been postponed due to a surge in COVID-19 cases in the Maryland program. That is, as of right now, my count, that is the fifth game that has been postponed this weekend, as far as I know. Um, college football struggling. Obviously, you made it through uh, all the way up until Halloween um, without too many outbreaks. Um, and now, after Halloween, it seems like there's been a major setback. Um, so, transitioning away from that, let's get into the hot takes and prediction time. You know, we're running at 36-something min- minutes uh, right now. So we don't have too much longer here on the show. Let's get into hot takes and predictions. I'm going to open it up, guys. And this has been one I've been eyeing all week long. And, you know, I've been thinking about it. And, you know, I'm going to stand firm on it. This is a little bit of a hot take, um, a really hot take. But it's going to be a bold prediction. And I got Felipe Franks outperforming Kyle Trask in a little miss-me game against the Florida Gators. Um, You know, I I think Arkansas is going to give Florida and I would not be surprised if the Razorbacks upset Florida. What a way that would be um, for Arkansas to uh, really shake things up here in the SEC East and make something spicy um, as we get down to the final weeks uh, of this regular season. Whew, that is a hot take. <laughs> I'd love to see it, though. <laughs> love to love to see it. Um, my hot take. I've got two of them. Uh, Number one, and this is way out in the future, but nobody's talking about this yet. I think N'Kobe Dean has has the potential to be a Butkus Award winner. I was trying to temper that uh, earlier because I was saving it for my hot takes section, but I definitely think even if he doesn't win the Butkus Award next year, that he's going to be a first-round draft pick after his junior year. I think he's that good of a player. Uh, and I also want to mention that him and Kyrus Jackson should switch their high school superlatives because N'Kobe was the, the valedictorian of his high school and Kyrus Jackson won Ooh. the state championship in shot put as a wide receiver. It's just so backwards. It should have been <laughs> N'Kobe winning the state championship in, in shot put and Kyrus. Anyway, beside the point, I just – think that's hilarious uh, my uh my other hot take for our team is that we're going to find some offensive efficiency and we're going to average 450 games 450 yards per game for the rest of the year now that is a hot take um god would i love to see that happen i hope so and i think that would really send um george into overdrive brent what do you got man well, my my first take is not as, quite as hot as yours, but I was going to piggyback off of the uh, Felipe Franks prediction. I think I think Arkansas plays him good. I think uh, the Razorbacks will stay within single digits. But if I had to make another 
uh, hot take for this weekend. I think I may go with Boston College upsetting Notre Dame, coming Ooh. off of uh, a very em- emotional win this past week, and, and Boston College uh, nearly knocking off Clemson. I think they want to show the world that they can, you know, have a have a big upset win like that. So I'll take I'll take Boston College over Notre Dame this week. Now here's a little you know update. that's happened. You know that's happened before too. Boston College upset Notre Dame. Was it early nineties? Am I remembering that right? Uh, I'm not so sure. I'm correct. It happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember it <laughs> like it was yesterday. <laughs> but it was, I couldn't tell you what year it was, <laughs> but maybe it was 92 or 91, somewhere in there. And um, similar situation where Notre Dame was very highly ranked and in the hunt for a national championship that year and, and got whipped by Boston College. Now, here's the thing about that game. Notre Dame is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite for that game. Do y'all see Notre Dame covering the spread, or do you see them covering it and a little bit more? Or maybe you pick the upset. And by how much? I'll start with you, Brent, since you brought this up. Yeah, I'm, I, think, I think they got a good chance to win it this weekend, just given the, the psychological um, approach of that. But I think at a minimum, they, they will cover the spread. And Josh, awesome. about you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, Clemson coming off what was obviously a uh, – I mean, Notre Dame coming off of what was obviously a very emotional game uh, with Clemson. Uh, Boston College, just like you said, Harrison, wanting to prove themselves against a, a top-tier program. Um, I, I don't think that they cover. Um, I just can't pick them for an upset. You know, I do think that Notre Dame is playing well, and the thing that I like the most about Notre Dame is they're playing their brand of football, and they are determining the outcome of games the way that they want to. They've been very disciplined, uh, and I think that's why they win. I I definitely think they don't play as sharply as they've played, uh, you know, throughout the season. But I, I do think that they'll do enough to win. And it could end up being a very low-scoring game. You know, that's my the other side of that. Um, just because of, you know, not Notre Dame not playing particularly well. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, here's my upset alert. Uh, you know, we're, we all feel pretty good about Notre Dame, but you never know with them. They, they have seemed to let us down in the past. Um, Florida, for the, last, for the last hot take of the week, Florida's a 17.5-point favorite over Arkansas. I'm taking Arkansas by seven in this game to upset Ooh. the Gators. I, I'm taking them by seven. I think they do it late. <laughs> I, I just got a good feeling about it. Even though without Sam Pittman, I feel like Barry Odom – he has that defense uh, locked down. I mean, he's done a really good job. you got to give him credit for that. He's definitely going to be in the running for a head coaching job um, within the next two seasons. And I, I think Kendall Bryles, you know, he, he's just a young mastermind as an offensive coordinator. Um, if it wasn't for the scandal at Baylor, he would probably uh, be somewhere close or maybe have a head coaching job by now. But I, I, I think Arkansas wins it by a touchdown late um, at Suns the Gator in old Florida Gator fashion. What do y'all got? Man, I love that pick, Harrison. Uh, I, I just want to add in, and you and I were talking about this before the podcast. I've won money on Arkansas every week this year, and I'll be putting more on them this weekend. 
know, I, I don't think that they're going to win. Uh, I, I think that Florida is just going to wear them down. Um, however, you know, w- one of the things that I have not seen is whether Kyle Pitts has come out of the, the concussion protocol yet. Have you guys seen that or not? I have not seen it, but I can look it up real quick. Um, another thing to look at when we're talking about this game is Arkansas is coming off a win. Now, the one thing they have not been able to do all year long is put together two back-to-back wins. Um, a, a little bit crazy there, so it's definitely going to see um, a little bit crazy. But uh, as far as two days ago, Kyle Pitts is questionable with concussion. Um, Brent, I'm going to hit it over to you real quick. Let's get a, your opinion on this game, and then by the time you finish, I should have whether or not he is cleared. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Arkansas is they've they've got the tools, and, and I think if I you know they've they've uh, came up short on on a couple of big wins, especially the, the Auburn game, they should have won. So I think Pittman needs, you know, even though he he's uh, positive right now, I think f- for the sake of his program, I think he needs a marquee win to to give some momentum uh, for for seasons to come. So I think a, a win this weekend would be huge, and I wouldn't be shocked if they pull it off. Just from a little research, real quick research, it looks like Kyle Pitts will be a game-time decision as far as I see. Right now he's listed as questionable. Um, another thing that uh, was said is that Florida's not going to change the game plan um, depending on his status. So it looks like they're going to be going in there um, you know, either way, whether he's involved or not with the same game plan. Um, you know, you, we talk about the marquee win with Sam Pittman. Um, he needs it. Uh, you know, can this be counted as a marquee win if he's not on the sideline? Or, you know, would, I mean, shoot, I mean, if Barry Odom's the interim head coach and he gets this win, I mean, you can go ahead and chalk it up. He's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else. Oh, man, I, I think it still counts for Pittman. Um, and, man, would this be a marquee win for them. And it's not because I think Florida's so good. I think it's because everybody thinks they're so good. <laughs> and I think I was I – was, pretty adamant about that last week that I'm just not, I mean, I think Alabama will tear Florida up. Um, and even worse, I think that, uh, Ohio state would make them look silly. You know, I, I, I'm just a firm believer in Ohio state this year. I think they have a more complete team than, than anybody else out there. And I really hope that if Florida makes it into the playoffs that they play Ohio state, cause I'd, obviously I just enjoy seeing Florida get embarrassed and I think they would be. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Brent, you have any final thoughts to wrap it up? Uh, no, I've, I've, I've said all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, you heard it here first, Arkansas over Florida by touchdown. This was the 15th episode of the top dog talk podcast. I'm Harrison Reno. That was Josh Carr. Brent Wilson, and this is the Top Dog Talk podcast.